Hello, this is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. Today I am talking with Devin Moore. Devin is not your typical college freshman. While he's still a teenager, Devin is the author of a book called Devin Speaks Up and the founder of Race to Speak Up, an anti-bullying organization. When Devin was 14 years old, he was subjected to horrific bullying at the hands of three classmates. The experience changed him forever. In our discussion, Devin talks about how pervasive bullying, especially cyberbullying, has become, the effects of bullying on its victims, and Devin provides advice for how kids and adults can handle bullying situations. This episode of 12 Geniuses is brought to you by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head over to thestarconspiracy.com. Devin, welcome to 12 Geniuses. Thank you for having me, Don. I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about your background? My name is Devin Moore. I'm currently 19 years old. I go to University of Maryland where I study psychology. I am the founder of Race to Speak Up, which is an anti-bullying organization. This organization focuses on educating youth about bullying prevention and empowering them to be upstanders. Beyond that, I am an author. I'm the author of Devin Speaks Up, which is a children's anti-bullying book. It talks about my personal story with bullying, speaking up to someone you trust when you're being bullied or when you're being hated on, and of course, being upstanders. I strongly believe in the power of unity and supporting each other. As you know, season nine of 12 Geniuses is dedicated to the topic of resilience, and I wonder what your definition of resilience is. So if we're going to talk about resilience, I want to first go back to my personal story with bullying and me kind of saying, no, this is, this is wrong. When I was younger, I, I was the age 14, so I was still in middle school. Three of my former middle school classmates decided to take a picture of my face and post it on a bunch of different racist images. So I spoke up to my parents and spoke up to the school. But unfortunately, justice really wasn't done. And through that, I realized that actually it was more so I also just saw in the news that bullying was going on throughout the way too much of the world. And when I saw this, when I saw when I was going through bullying, all those images, when I'm looking at social media and seeing a collage of like over 50 students and then looking, turning on the news and seeing these students who are being bullied and dying by suicide. When I see that, I say no. When it comes to resilience, I'm saying no. This bullying should not be happening. I remember how it made me feel for being hated on because of my skin color, something that makes me beautiful, something that makes me unique. I felt an extreme sense of anxiety, paranoia, literally just going going back into the, excuse me, going back into the school environment It was hard. It was hard. I knew I had to push through because I wanted to reclaim the power that they thought that they were taking from me. I knew that I wanted to take back that power in a way where not only do I take that power, but I change that negative and turn it into a positive by helping others. I'm showing my resilience by saying no to this bullying behavior and now helping others for the last about five years now because I've been doing it since 2018. 
So these three classmates of yours, they they posted images on social media. Is that right? And did they tag you on that or how, how did that work? Oh, it was on this. Uh, it was on this gaming app. I'm not sure if I'm able to like give out that information, but it was on a gaming app. So it was like through the chat room. So since I was in it, I just saw it. They tagged my name. So I quickly was like notified about it and I saw it. It was a horrible time. It was a hard time. And you're only 14 years old when this is happening. And what were your immediate thoughts or what was your reaction when you saw these images? My immediate thoughts was, I'm scared. This, when I saw my face on these images, these images are like, these are death threats. That's what I saw. That's what I thought. These are death threats. Seeing mm-hmm. my picture with a gun to my head, seeing my picture on a gorilla suit. Yes, these were the things that were sent to me. This was terrifying. Seeing that made my heart just start beating fast. I actually remember kind of hard thinking about it, but I actually remember exactly how I felt. My heart started to beat faster. I was like, oh my God, what do I do? So many thoughts going through my head. I was like, I know I need to tell my mom. I know I need to tell my father because luckily I have a really great relationship with my family to the point where I can just tell them anything. You know, they're always there for me. When I told my mom and my dad, they were like, we're here for you. We're going to support you no matter what. We love you. And so that luckily I was able to have that support system. But even then, when I first saw these images, I'm terrified. I don't even know what to think. I'm like, why are these why are these three kids hating on me? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And then I sit back and I really take a look at everything. And I realize this is racism. Looking back in time with the gorilla calling black people gorillas and all this and all that, seeing that, I'm like, okay, they're hating on me because of my skin color. They're also throughout the throughout time I realized that they're not only hating on me for my skin color, but they're threatened by my skin color and my intelligence. They recognize me as a smart black person, and that's really what terrifies them. So they're trying to take that power from me. But as I said, no, I want to take that power back from them. Your initial reaction was fear and you felt like these were death threats. Did it transform into anger or how, how did your emotion, how did your emotions evolve? Yeah, it did transform into anger. I think it was more of just that transformation of energy from <laughs> sadness and scare or frightening or a frightened fear to it kind of transferred into just like this energy boost for me to help others it like some of it kind of fueled my want to get out there and speak up in front of large audiences but other the other part was i was just genuinely mad because i'm thinking to myself i'm already having a hard time embracing my skin i'm already having a hard time embracing my hair because i'm going to a school that doesn't celebrate black students or that doesn't celebrate anyone except for white people. I don't really see many people that look like me. I don't really see people who have the same hair type as me. I don't really see other people who have parents that look like mine. You know, I'm not really seeing that on a larger scale. So when I'm there and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this is, it's too hard. The it's way too hard for me. So and again, kind of went on, but yeah, the it changed to anger. 
you talked about the support that you received from your parents, and it sounds like from others within your community or people who are very supportive, who had been bullied. How were you able to overcome it outside of that support? I'm assuming that was really important to you, but did you have other steps that you needed to take to overcome this? Yes, there were definitely other steps taken, and that was therapy. I literally, and I'll be honest with with this, and I'm very open about this. I've been in therapy ever since I went through that bullying. I mean, I'm looking at myself now and I'm like, I've come a very long way. You know, I really am able to share my story. I'm helping others. I'm telling them what really should be going on in schools. I'm telling them what bullying can look like. I'm helping them through my book, my anti-bullying presentations and workshops, my podcast and all of that. I've come a long way, but one of my main things that I definitely needed was therapy. One of the things that I definitely think did help me was just straight up talking through all the things that I felt like even right now, I think in a way this is kind of helping me just because I'm sharing my story again. Whenever someone asks me to share, whenever the topic comes up, I share what I'm comfortable with. I'm, I'm sharing because it's just like, you know, this is the time for me to really stand up and speak. This is the time for me to let others know that this is what I went through. And if you're going through something similar like this, through whatever form of hate, whatever they're hitting you on, whether it be social bullying, physical bullying, verbal, cyber, whether it be them targeting your race or your sexuality or your gender, religion, any of that, we should speak up. We need to race to speak up. We'll name my mm-hmm. organization, race to speak up. Mm-hmm. Do not be afraid. I know it's hard. I know I was afraid. Well, when I was going through the bullying, I was afraid of all of what I was thinking those bullies are going to do to me. But I know it may be hard to go and speak up. But now if you keep speaking up, someone will listen to you. You had mentioned a term a couple of times, and it's in your book, the term upstander. Can you describe what that term means? So an upstander is someone who supports the target of bullying. They are there for the person. They are. The upstander can kind of come through different forms or be shown through different forms. One of the forms that I like to take an example of to kind of really show people is an upstander may literally, as long as it's safe, if there is the one exhibiting the bullying behavior and the target of that bullying behavior are at some sort of confrontation, they're standing between each other and the one exhibiting the bullying behavior is about to do something. The upstander will see that and will not just record just to post it on social media. They'll not just stand there and start making jokes to get other people to start laughing. No, they will, if they do record it, to show authoritative figures, or they will say, no, stop, that's wrong. They'll even, there's some sort of like high statistic of this calming down the situation where they're just like eating something and then they walk in between the, those two individuals. It calms down the situation. The ascender will be like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Stop. This is not supposed to be happening. You're hurting my friend. If they're not friends, you're hurting this person and you're not supposed to hurt this person. Imagine how that would make you feel if you're in their footsteps. And another thing that upstanders may do on a calmer level is they can report anonymously what the target is going through or they can help the target go and speak to a school person or excuse me, a school staff or a parent or someone that they trust that they will that will actually help the target in that situation. Or they'll just sit there and give them a hug. Say, I'm here for you. Let me know what's going on. Take your time and tell me what's going on and 
I'll help you in any way that I can. They're there to support and help. That's a great definition. And I can think of the the initial response that you gave, which is physically coming in between the two people, which requires some power and yeah. some yeah. risk and maybe some physical risk. But the other examples of, you know, alerting somebody, alerting an adult or giving the victim a hug or something like that, we all can do that, right? Regardless of how powerful we may be or how powerful we may feel, we can be an upstander in one of those ways, which I think is really important. Yeah, yeah. It's really, that's why I always, I always make sure with the standing in front of people or standing in between the two that are having some sort of confrontation, always make sure to say, as long as it's safe, because I'm not trying to tell people to go and get into a fight. I would never try to tell someone that. That's what. That's exactly what I'm trying to stop is anyone having a fight or kind of calm down, down that situation. I don't want it to get to the point where, I, like how in a lot of these schools, kids are getting into physical altercations because of these bullying situations. We need to really stop have a conversation with each other, an open conversation. We need to be open to even having a conversation in the first place. Make sure that we're listening to each other and then get the proper help that we need or support each other in any way. You really don't know what's going on behind closed doors. That's why with the one who's exhibiting this bullying behavior, oftentimes it's hurt people hurt people. The one in the, the, maybe the authoritative figure in their environment, their parent or their guardian, is hating on other people. And that's where that child is learning how to hate on Black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, people of different genders or religions, cultures. You know, they're learning it from there. Or that guardian or that parent might be hurting the child and the child wants to take out their anger on another person in school. See, there's already two things that I listed. There's way more that I probably could list, but you really don't know what's happening behind closed doors. That's why we need to, one, respect people, and two, try our hardest to understand. I think the extent of bullying has probably grown, and I wanted to ask you about that. What's the extent of bullying? And you can talk about, you know, regular old-fashioned in-person bullying, and you can talk about cyberbullying. Yeah, so I would say a statistic that I always refer back to is one relating to cyberbullying. You know, we had this pandemic where we were really isolated. So we were on social media, the internet, our computers, our iPads, our phones, a lot more. Cyberbullying actually increased about over 70%. More specifically, I think 76% since the last time I checked, which was 73 at that time. You know, it's still growing. So that in itself is just terrifying to even think about. To have such a drastic increase in cyberbullying. We're going backwards when we're supposed to be taking 10 steps forward. No. So that's one of the things that I tend to bring up. You know, I went through cyberbullying. I also went through physical, verbal, way too many things. So I would say that. And then also we're looking at the news or when looking at the news. From going back to 2018, when I honestly really started paying attention to the news till now, and I'm still seeing... You know, from that time, kids dying by suicide caused by bullying to still now um, school shootings is a bigger topic that I'll I'll only talk about what I know in relation to this. But when it comes to school shooting, 
there's a there's quite the amount of times where that kid that goes back to school is actually trying to get revenge on the one that was hating on that kid or those kids. So they're taking a weapon to school, thinking to themselves that they want to unalive the person that is inflicting this pain and inflicting this bullying behavior on them. So there's way too many negatives of bullying. That, that there's negatives, way too many negatives. Oftentimes it goes down a dark path. I've literally had friends who I've had peers, friends in high school, even in college actually now, who have came up to me or were already talking. And I'm like, oh, you should come to my webinar. We're going to be talking about, I make this sound a lot more like ease into the conversation before I say this, but like we're going to be talking about a bullying app. We're going to talk about suicide prevention. We're going to talk about kindness. And when I mentioned these things, I remember one of my friends, she'll be fine if I mention this, but she was saying how she went through suicidal ideations because she was bullied because of her skin color when she was younger. And it still affected her to this day. There's times where she still thinks about it because she's in this school environment and associations happen with bullying. So you're in the school environment. You are bullied in a school environment. What you recognize as the school environment may make you think about what about the bullying that you may have gone through three years prior or even with adults. I mean, literally, Don, you probably heard stories, too, because I feel like literally everyone has heard stories of them saying, oh, you know, I'm an adult now, but I still remember 20 years ago where I was on the playground and this kid was bullying me. And even I look at my dad and my dad is telling me, you know, Devin, when I was younger, we didn't really have all this social media stuff and such. And so when he when he went through bullying, because, you know, he is black. So when he was going through bullying, he was saying I was at school and I was getting hated on there. And then once I came home, you know, that was it. I was just I was with my family, I was with my siblings, my mother, and my father. And that that nothing that was it. Like I wasn't bullied there. But then he's saying, now that y'all have social media, it is 10 times, it's 20 times, it's 100 times worse. Way worse, way worse. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an important distinction. What your dad was referring to is, yes, you could have physical or verbal taunts at school or altercations at school, but when you went home, it was safe. You know, hopefully it's a loving environment at home, at home and in supportive environment. But nowadays, somebody who's bullied at school that carries through through social media and through our devices and they can't let it go. And I I think that probably some people just obsess over it. Right. Like, what are they saying about me now? And they just just can't let it go. And so it's so different than when I was a kid. A lot more young people are addicted to these social media apps and they're like, okay, I'm waiting for that text message. I'm waiting for someone to respond to this video I just posted. And so when you're waiting for that, I mean, you know, everyone's going to be their own selves and social media, I think in a way is kind of made for you to be addicted because that's how people get their money. But a part of those notifications that you get, a part of that text message that you receive, that comment under your last post, that reaction under your last video, a part of that should not be someone saying something hateful. I think with social media, because people have this false sense of security behind that screen, 
people are more inclined to say something negative and hurtful. It's almost as if saying something negative and hurtful is a lot more interesting than saying something kind and positive. And I think the reason why with that part is because people love to want to bash someone. People love to want to react and say, you know what, actually, you're wrong. And here's why I'm right, even if that person isn't even right. You know, there's so many different things, but it's almost as if the negativity is more interesting than the positive, and people want to see mm-hmm. that more so. And that's why I, when I first started my organization, Race to Speak Up, I was like, okay, yeah, don't like social media, but I want to promote positivity because not only will it make my own self feel good, it'll make a lot more people feel good seeing a positive affirmation, seeing some random kid, some random 14-year-old who's standing in front of a positive mural that says something about kindness or the unity or, or we all belong to one race, which is the human race. People have actually commented, they DM me. A couple of people have actually told me when I'm on events, like open events where open live events, they're like, Devin, I really appreciate you posting these things because it, it actually does help me. Like they're saying, no, no joke. That actually does help me because there was that one day where they were feeling sad and they see my post and they're like, you know what? Today really isn't super bad. Let me just kind of relax and chill and then focus on this positive affirmation because it makes me feel better. Well, that's the positive side of social media, right? Is you can be isolated in a small community or and, and find your tribe or find belonging elsewhere. So that's that's the upside. There's a duality to these tools and some people are using them to bully others and others are using it to find their their people. And I think yeah. that's really really important. You talked about suicidal ideation and and school shootings and and some really really bad outcomes to bullying, but could you talk about some of the other impacts that bullying has on people who are bullied? A couple of effects that I do mainly tend to say and I kind of said it a little bit earlier is anxiety, which deals directly back to how we actually are feeling about certain situations. There's low self-esteem, how we see or value ourselves in these situations. Bullying can lead to a lack of sleep because you're having nightmares about these bullying situations that happen earlier in the day, or it leads to eating less or eating more, you know, kind of how you, how our bodies are, how we physically see our bodies. If someone's saying something about how big you are, you're going to want to get skinnier. Or someone's saying something about how little you are, you may want to get larger. And then that's a whole nother thing. That could lead to body anorexia. I think that's the word. Or then the other one is like just trying to weigh even more. There's a couple of different things with our bodies when it comes to bullying. And then headaches, migraines, stomach aches. Literally, it... How emotions, emotions can lead to physical attacks. Those emotional attacks, someone attacking on your emotions can lead to physical consequences. Literally, when I was really going through bullying, I was sad to a certain extent. I literally, there are times that I really didn't want to get up, but my, my family really was my support. I'm happy that I have them. Again, I know not everyone does, but you know, we're always here for you. You know, I'm always here for you. But to keep going with what I was saying, I was able to kind of still get up even through that pain. There were times where I had headaches and I had those dream, those horrible nightmares. 
Like what? I can't go to sleep. And then once I am asleep, I have these nightmares that make me want to stay up. No, no. So there's a couple of different effects that still kind of a lot of people may go through. In fact, there's more than that, but those are just the main ones that I say. I think it's really important for the listening audience, which will be mostly adults, some of us are parents, to understand what some of these symptoms are, that their their child may be bullied or their grandchild or somebody, another young person might may be bullied. So looking for changes in relationships, loss of appetite or, you know, depressed, you know, possible signs of depression. These are, I think, triggers or, or signs that somebody may be struggling. I'm, I'm curious to know, when you first saw those images when you were 14 years old, how quickly did you turn to your parents and say, look what's happening? Now I'm, I'm feeling threatened. Did you do it that same day? Did you wait a while? I did it that same day. I don't remember like anything except for all the bullying stuff related to that. That's the main stuff that I remember. Those images uh, from that day, that's the main thing that was on my mind. I just remember that I did speak to my parents the same day and I was like, this is wrong. Look at what so-and-so-and-so said to me. And then they, we went from there. We talked a little bit about Race to Speak Up and Devin Speaks Up. Can you talk specifically about how that work is helping to solve this problem? So the Race to Speak Up podcast, I talk to youth and adult activists, entrepreneurs, and business leaders who are making a positive change in their communities. And the reason why I started that is because I wanted to give all of my, all the guests that I've had on there, I wanted to give them a platform that allows for them to directly speak about all of the positive that they're making. I'm very big on that. And then overall, just empowering each other, you know, and like I said, upstanders, but supporting each other. So this is done through Humanity Rising, which is an organization that focuses on youth service. And so with Behind the Screen, I was able to get in touch with a child psychi- a child, a psychiatrist that focuses on child and adolescent bullying. His name is Dr. Sandeep Rondawa. He really is great to work with too, because not only have I been able to have so many different webinars that focus on suicide prevention, a bullying app, bullying directly, being bullied at a young age and what you're doing now as an adult, you know, a couple of those different things. Then the last thing is Devin Speaks Up book. All the illustration, it goes along what I went through with like physical bullying and being hated on for my race. And then it also shows in the book, it also shows me being an upstander. Because as I said, it's important to be an upstander. And when I was writing a book, the book, I wanted students to see what it can look like. You're so young, only 19 years old, and you've done so much <laughs> around bullying. And I wonder what the rest of your life looks like. Is this a, a mission or a cause that you're going to dedicate your life toward? Yes. So, so currently in college, I'm studying psychology. As of right now, I'm looking towards becoming something within that field, or I may just completely change and become a lawyer. But the main thing that I've been focusing on is becoming either a psychologist or a psychiatrist, which yes, I know those two things are different. I want to work within the mental health field to kind of like further my anti-bullying work through that perspective and work with students within or work with young people who are within minority groups in order to support and help them. So I think what the future has to hold for me would be mainly that 
and maybe another book, but that's further in the future. <laughs> what advice do you have for someone who is being bullied? The advice that I would share is, and of course, before I say this, please know that this is easier said than done, but just try not to be too afraid of speaking up because if you just think about it this way, if you don't speak up, it's just going to go down an even deeper and darker hole. One that will be way too hard to get out of. So try your hardest to speak up. If that one person who you thought was going to listen to you, if they're not listening to you, go to the next person. If they're not listening, go to the next person. If they're not listening, why don't you reach out to an anti-bullying organization? And they'll be the ones to definitely help you. Why, or, why, why don't kids speak up? The reason why kids don't speak up is because they have this like extreme fear of also the unknown. They don't know if their parent, oh wait, wait, actually, they don't know if so-and-so who may be the authoritative figure in their life is actually going to blame the child for what the bullying is going to do. Also, a lot of the times, not all schools, before I say this, not all schools, but there are definitely a lot of schools that try to change it so that the target of the bullying, the bullying behavior is actually the one who is exhibiting this bullying behavior. They're trying to make it so that the target is now the bully when the target, the target is not the bully. They're trying to change it. A lot of the times, or not all the times, but a lot of the times, there are schools, there are different environments who want to change it. And so it makes them scared. Also, there's definitely a lot of young people that are just shy. So I've definitely, a lot of my friends manage to be introverts and then like I'm an extrovert. So it's like opposites attract. And there's definitely, until I made my influence on them and they made their influence on me, I don't think they, well, some of them would have really spoken up until they heard my voice, until they heard another person's voice share their story. And now they're like showing them what you can do and how it makes them feel better to have what's going on stop or be more likely to end. So that may be the reason why people don't really want to speak up, but race to speak up. Just try your hardest. You don't want this to keep going on. I know I don't, and I would never want that to happen to you. So try your hardest to speak up to that principal, that teacher, that teacher that you really like, the principal who actually, you know, is there for you, that whoever is there for you, speak up to your parents. If your parents are there or your guardian, just speak up. So that leads me to believe that leads me to the question around how should parents, teachers or other adults start conversations with kids they feel may be bullied? First, what teachers and adults and all of those in the older individuals need to do is educate themselves first. Because if you don't have your own educate proper education, then you're going to teach them wrong. You're not really going to know what you're saying. So if you kind of like think about it that way, it's like you're not really going to know what you're saying. You're just going to kind of say whatever that you're thinking bullying is. But in reality, you actually have the information wrong. <laughs> Excuse me. So what you need to do is you need to go online and research what can bullying look like. Oh, first, what is bullying? What can it look like? How can I even teach my children? There's so many different websites that say how you can teach your child about what bullying is like simplified ways, simplified versions and explanations, research it all, or just listen to me speak, go on my social media. I post a thousand videos a week and just <laughs> listen to those 
or listen to my webinars, my podcast, and go from there or other individuals. Literally, if you look at myself, it links back to all of those eight seasons worth of people who have had on my podcast and listen to their stuff too and my webinar. Listen to all of what we're doing. Have all that knowledge. Have all that knowledge. And then take it back, maybe transform it in a way where you know your child can really understand or just take that knowledge. And if you're a teacher or whatever school staff and go back into the school environment and just educate those children, you know, go from there. So I'm just going to play devil's advocate a little bit here because I can tell you I was a kid once (laughs) and when a parent would come to me or an adult would come to me and say, you know, is this going on? I would say no, no, because there is that fear, right, that if if I disclose to an adult, it's going to get worse or, you know, so how do you how would you recommend that adults kind of overcome that first objection or no, it's no big deal. I've got it handled that sort of thing when they when the adult knows it is an issue. First, try to make sure that the child feels safe in telling you things sometimes, because I know oftentimes when the child is like, no. In their environment, they're seeing certain things and they're actually already used to going through all of that hate and all of that. So they're actually like, this is normal. And they're not really thinking anything of it. When I was younger and now that I'm older, I was like, this is like smaller forms of hate, but it's still racism. I was used to that because it's like, that's what I grew up on. So I wasn't realizing this was hate until I was older. So there are times where your child may think that it's just normal. So definitely first try to make sure that your child feels safe enough to tell you whatever they need to go through, even if it's like a hard thing, even if it's such and such, even if it's really hard, try to make sure your child feels safe enough telling you because if they're not feeling safe enough telling you, they're definitely going to not tell someone they don't know in general. So make sure you have that safe space established first. And then once you're done with that, maybe give them examples of what hate can look like. Because there are times where parents kind of are just like, they have, you know, that parent, that mother, that father, that whatever feeling about their child. So kind of give them examples of what whatever form of hate you're thinking they're going through looks like. And then say, I don't know, something like, have you ever seen this happen in your school, honey? Have you ever seen this happen in your school, son? Go from there. That's great advice. Then, that that, that really up. is great advice. That opens up. And then also, if it, if it really is too hard, just do <laughs> just do what this one teacher did, or actually what I think more teachers should do. This one teacher, the name of the state is blanking in my mind. I think it was Seattle. But she reached out to me and she was like, Devin, she actually reached out to me because she watches, she puts on my podcast for the students in her class. She reached out to me because she was like, Devin, your closed captions aren't working. Can you please fix it? Because some of the students need that. And I was just, that made me feel so happy that she was showing (laughs) the kids in her class. They was asking questions. They was talking to the teacher. So that just opens up the conversation already. Because I'm already talking about a billion things with whatever the podcast. She probably watched maybe a couple of seasons or maybe just like one full season. Because I know my podcasts are kind of a little timely. So she definitely watched a couple with her class and that opens up the conversation. And I'm already giving examples of a couple of different things. I'm already talking with my guests or guests. So 
already in that, it it's already starting the conversation. Even if you're uncomfortable, a lot of these kids really want to get up and talk. Even at my Devin Speaks Up book assembly, if y'all were there, you would have seen how some of the kids stood up and raised their hand when I was like, I need a volunteer for this activity. That's so brave. It's, yeah, a, it's so brave. I know not everyone is like that, but definitely that was kind of funny for me because I was not expecting that. I was prepared for like no one to respond. Yeah. <laughs> I was prepared for no one to respond. I was like, let me do these different things. And I never really want to call on someone because you don't know their anxiety. Like, I don't want to call on someone out of the blue if their hand is not raised. So I was happy for that. So try your best to, you need to make sure that safe space is established first. Real quick. What would you say to somebody who is bullying others? Oh, that's a good question, Don. The, the first thing I would say Actually, what I really would like to do, this is something that I, if I ever have the opportunity to do, I would really like to do. If there's the one exhibiting this bullying behavior and I'm just able to talk to them directly, I would ask them if they know what bullying is, but I wouldn't use the word bullying. I would try to like use it in some other form because bullying has so many negative things surrounding that word. So once they hear bullying, automatically they're going to be on the defensive. So I would ask them if they know what it is, but like use some other words that are like relating to bullying so that I can ask them if they know what it is and then kind of start up that conversation. And then through that, I would kind of, I feel like I really need, I really think that they kind of need the moment to really talk and really share what's going on in their life, you know? And I mean, I probably would be a stranger at that point, but still I would let them kind of know that I'm there for them. Once that safety is established, which it might be hard because if you're the one exhibiting the bullying behavior, you're probably not going to be super open to talk to someone who's like the face of anti-bullying. But from there, I would try to get them to slowly open up and then say what I went through in the past or say some example that may relate to whatever someone is claiming that they're doing to another person and then say to them, what do you think it would feel like if you ever went through that, you know, and try to get them to see from another person's perspective, get them the answer from there. Like it would be a whole activity. I'm kind of telling you the whole activity, what I would want to do and kind of just go from there and see if I can get them to see the error of their ways, make them, I don't want to, for the lack of better terms, kind of just make them feel like this understanding or understand this sense of what's going on in the other person's mind so that they wouldn't want to inflict that pain because i know they wouldn't want to have to feel that anymore like you're going to school to learn you're going to school to understand whatever education or curriculum they're trying to teach you so something that should not be a part of your day is hurting others or being hated on Devin, some of the statistics you've shared with me, seven in 10 young people experience cyberbullying before the age of 18, one in five youth will report it. It's really shocking. And I wonder if this is something that is unique to the United States or if other countries have the type of bullying that we experience here. So when I did the research, because I know you're getting the information from like my behind the screen webinar when I'm talking on that. The majority of the information that I did, I think, was actually specific to the United States. But regardless, 
this, hate like this and probably hate more so more so different specific types of hate can definitely happen in other countries. I'm not fully sure on the statistics. I just know that it definitely happens. Like there's different countries that are more so hitting on people who are part of the queer community, you know, people who are gay and like outwardly expressing their gender in different ways that are outside of the quote normal or people who are of a darker shade, um, skin tone, skin complexion wise, or people who are disabled or of different abilities, you know, those type of things in certain other countries are not necessarily what would be praised or what would be seen as normal at all. So that does open up different forms of bullying that may be specific to those countries. I just know in the United States, because there's so many different types of people, this whole like, that hate is just like all over the place. I'm like, I know this country is not like only focused on hate, but when we do talk about the hate, it's like so many different things and it's way like, there's a lot. Yeah, from my my perspective, there's a lot of ignorance and that's fine, right? We're all ignorant about something. But there's there's unfortunately, in many cases, a, a lack of desire to overcome the ignorance or to learn about somebody else or to understand somebody else. And I just want to say, Devin, I love what you're doing. I'm grateful you spent some time with us today. Thank you for your time and thank you for being a genius. Thank you for listening to 12 Geniuses and thanks to The Star Conspiracy for sponsoring this week's show. We'll be back next week when I interview Helene Neville. 25 years ago, Helene was told by doctors she was dying. She needed to go home and get her affairs in order. Her response has been to run from that diagnosis, and she's been running ever since. She's run across every state in America, and this summer she'll embark on a run from Thunder Bay, Ontario to Victoria, British Columbia, and Canada. Helene's story of resilience is one of the most remarkable you'll ever hear. Thanks to Richard Jocelyn for producing this show. To subscribe to 12 Geniuses, please go to 12geniuses.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a genius.